0: Greetings. You're listening to podcast number 107 of Blast the Right. I'm your host, Jack Clark. Today, three more examples in the headlines of how right wing policies increase human misery, suffering, pain, and death. Also, you'll hear Fox News amping up the propaganda for war with Iran. Plus, some good news. The right falters in its attempt at a California Elections 08 dirty trick. And finally, how you can advocate for the third world poor getting a fair shake. Let's get right into it. Sources for this segment include MSNBC.com, the New TheNewYorkTimes.com, The Boulder, Colorado Daily Camera, PBS, and the U.S. Census Bureau website. You've probably seen a series of scandalous stories recently. Antifreeze in toothpaste, lead paint on toys, Bush opposing a bill providing health care to millions of children. These stories are rarely, if ever, linked together in the corporate media. Do you see the connection? Of course you do. Right-wing policies leading where they always lead, to increased human misery, suffering, pain and death. Ideology trumps humanity. The common thread is as follows. Grover Norquist, Republican strategy guru, famously said that he wanted to shrink government down to the size where he could, quote, drown it in the bathtub. Putting it another way is this proclamation by head cheerleader for the right, Rush Limbaugh. Roosevelt is dead. His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. Roosevelt's policies are the New Deal social safety net and the regulatory safety net that followed. And, of course, there's good old Ronald Reagan. I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Please keep Norquist, Limbaugh, and Reagan in mind as you listen to what follows. Anti-freezing toothpaste you probably recently saw blaring headlines that ethylene glycol, a chemical used in antifreeze, was found in toothpaste imported from China. Isn't there some agency in our government that's supposed to protect us from stuff like that? That would be the Food and Drug Administration. It was set up in 1906 under Teddy Roosevelt and significantly strengthened in 1938 under Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Imports from China are skyrocketing, And you know they have virtually no watchdogs over there. So shouldn't the FDA budget be increased to monitor these imports? It should, but the Bush administration, being right-wing, has done the exact opposite of what should be done. In the last five years, the FDA has lost 200 food scientists and 700 field inspectors. And the Bushians want to cut the agency's budget even further next year after accounting for inflation. I'll tell you how crazy this is. Less than 1% of imported foods are inspected. Less than 1%. Lab analysis is done on yet only a tiny fraction of those. So called entry reviewers at one location are given less than 30 seconds to decide if a particular import should be scrutinized further. Now here's some right wing doublespeak. The FDA actually plans to close seven of its thirteen labs, but the right says that will improve things, because then the FDA can concentrate on upgrading the remaining facilities. Huh? Why not upgrade all thirteen? Oh yeah, remember, Bush wants to cut the FDA's budget. No money to do that. I don't know about you, but I want more, not less inspection of food and drugs and yes, toothpaste, before I put them in my body. Thankfully, no one in the U.S. died from the antifreeze toothpaste, but 51 people did die in tiny Panama, where this poisoning was discovered. But for the grace of God, how many deaths could there have been here? But for the grace of God, how much more human misery, suffering, pain, and death would the right-wing fixation to cripple government have caused? Please. Ask your friendly local right-winger. Don't they and their loved ones use toothpaste, eat food, use other health care items? Don't they want them safe? Picture your local drugstore, all the rows of products, one after another. Right now, you probably feel comfortable grabbing items off the shelf and using them. If right-wing policies prevail, and there's no government regulatory oversight, I think you'll feel far less comfortable, to say the least. This right-wing and dangerous-us-all course of action doesn't stop with food and drugs. You probably heard about Mattel recalling millions of Chinese-made toys because they were contaminated with lead paint or they contained tiny magnets easy for children to swallow. In 1997, 5% of consumer products you could buy in the U.S. were made in China. Today, the figure is 20%. The Consumer Product Safety Commission was established in 1972 to protect Americans against dangerous products. Why isn't it doing so? Because, as part of their Drown Government in a Bathtub plan, the right-wingers who controlled Congress were getting the Consumer Product Safety Commission shrunk down enough to flush down the drain. As he has done at other agencies, Bush appointed to head the Consumer Product Safety Commission someone opposed to that agency's very mission. Quote, Mr. Bush began delivering on his deregulatory agenda soon after arriving in Washington. He named Harold D. Stratton, a former attorney general of New Mexico, to head the Consumer Protection Agency. A conservative Republican and a Bush campaign volunteer, Mr. Stratton strongly objected when he was an attorney general to counterparts in other states bringing consumer protection cases saying they were trying to impose their own anti-business pro-government regulation views. Later, he was co-founder of a nonprofit group, the Rio Grande Foundation, which says it promotes quote, individual freedom, limited government, and economic opportunity, close quote. Consumer be damned policies were then put in place, quote, they have blocked enforcement actions "...weakened industry oversight rules and promoted voluntary compliance over safety mandates, according to interviews with current and former senior agency officials and consumer groups and a review of commission documents." Quote. Instead of increasing funding for an already understaffed agency, especially in light of the flood of Chinese imports, Bush moved in the opposite direction, cutting the agency's budget 10% in the last two years. As for staffing, back under Reagan, where the right-wing destroy-the-government agenda was started, the Consumer Product Safety Commission workforce was nearly cut in half. Bush has continued to slash personnel. The right-wing starve-the-beast ideology in action. Let me ask you, how many inspectors do you think should be inspecting toys imported into the U.S.? Whatever number you picked, you're almost certainly way too high from the reality. For the entire United States, there is one employee testing suspected defective toys. One! Believe it or not, that's actually quite a comprehensive inspection scheme compared to this outrage. Fifteen million containers, each the size of a truck, move through Los Angeles ports every year, there's only one CPSC inspector, part-time yet, only two or three days a week, only one Consumer Product Safety Commission inspector, spot-checking shipments. As one agency official said about this setup, perhaps in a bit of dry understatement, quote, it is completely ineffective, close quote. Completely ineffective, sort of like the entire Bush administration, no? And this translates into danger for you and your loved ones. Quote Workers quit in frustration. The head of the poison prevention unit, for example, resigned when efforts to require inexpensive child resistant caps on hair care products that had burned toddlers were delayed so industry course could be weighed against the potential benefit to children. Susan Barone, the poison prevention expert who left in two thousand five, said "buyer beware" that's all i have to say Close quote. america beware is what i have to say as always we get the usual meaningless right-wing platitudes in defense nancy nord the acting chairwoman of the agency said quote, "the commission is currently doing more to protect consumers than it has at any prior time in its history even more could be done with greater resources but the media's portrayal of a crippled and impotent agency unable to deal with basic problems is reckless and just plain wrong." Close quote. Nord actually cites a record number of recalls as evidence the commission is doing its job. Huh? Quote, "Consumer advocates say the increased recalls and hazard reports make a different case that too many flawed products are in the marketplace because the agency is not doing its job." Rachel Weintraub, the director of product safety at the Consumer Federation of America, said, quote, once there's a recall, it's too late. Consumers are already exposed to the potential harm, close quote. And that's the point. The goal should be to prevent harm, not to stop it once you see it occurring. How many children ingested lead paint on those Mattel toys? How many will suffer irreversible brain damage? So as you see, it's the same thing with the FDA and mercury-tainted toothpaste as it is with the Consumer Product Safety Commission and lead paint coated toys. A lack of proper inspection procedures as a result of right-wing wrong-headed policy goals and budget cutting again increase human misery, suffering, pain, and death. Unlike to Ronald Reagan, the government showing up, saying they're here to help, isn't scary to me at all. I welcome it if the government is going to find antifreeze and toothpaste or lead paint and toys before these products reach me or my family. Next up, to conclude this segment, right-wingers attack health insurance for children. Your one-minute voting report. If you subscribe through iTunes, please give Blast the Right a five-star review to counter all the right-wing sabotage one-star reviews. This is a one-time, not a monthly thing. You only have to do it once. In Podcast Alley, where voting is monthly, we're off to a rocky start in October. Currently number seven, the voting indicates we're going to get kicked off the top ten. That'll leave two or three podcasts produced by economic right-wingers there unanswered by any progressive voice, unless you step up and vote. Thanks. How does the issue of children's health insurance fit into the right-wing destroy-government-hurt-people scenario? Perfectly because right wing policies there as well seek to cripple government programs no matter how many flesh and blood humans suffer as a result. The state children's health insurance program called SCHIP was a bipartisan effort in nineteen ninety seven led by Senator Edward Kennedy, Democrat of Massachusetts, and Senator Orrin Hatch, Republican of Utah. It was designed to provide health care insurance to children living in families whose income was too high for Medicaid, which covers those in poverty, but too low for the family to afford private insurance. Keep in mind that the official poverty line in the United States for a family of four is about $21,000 a year, and insurance often costs up to $12,000 a year for a family that size. So you have to earn a heck of a lot more than the poverty level to be able to afford private health insurance. A bill was recently passed by Congress to expand S-CHIP so that nearly 4 million more currently uninsured children would be brought under the program's protection. Now, to just maintain the status quo, an increase of $9 billion over the next five years would be needed. Bush towed the right-wing line, he proposed only a $5 billion increase, in effect, starting to dismantle the program. The bill Congress passed would increase spending by $35 billion over the next five years and pay for it with a $0.61 cent increase on the cigarette tax. George W. Bush vetoed it. Here's something to point out to any right-winger who happens to badger you about this issue. At the same time, Bush doesn't want to spend $30 billion that Congress does on children's health. He has no problem asking for $45 billion more to kill people in Iraq. The Iraq war costs $333 million a day. S-chip, $19 million. Even the House whip, Roy Blunt of Missouri, who supports Bush's veto, admits that the timing of the health bill and the request for Iraq money, quote, was not helpful quote. yeah i guess because it exposes right-wing priorities and lack of concern for even children a right winger will also probably rant and rave that states like new york want to let families with up to four times the poverty level or about eighty thousand dollars utilize s-chip your response the original s-chip bill envisioned helping families with as much as twice the poverty level and $70,000 in New York City translates to the purchasing power of only $30,000 in, say, Omaha. So letting New York set the rate at four times the poverty level achieves the the twice-the-poverty-level goal in realistic purchasing power terms. But, you know, the bottom line here is, the real right-wing objection to expanding S-Chip, in fact, even having S-Chip at all, is ideological. S Chip is, the right claims, government-run health care. It's socialism. Bush is warned that the bill would move toward, quote, government-run health care for every American. His press secretary added that Bush doesn't want, quote, additional government-run health care, socialized-type medicine. Republican member of the House, Judy Biggert, feels, quote, it would push Americans one step closer to socialized medicine. According to Mitch McConnell, Senate Republican leader, quote, Our Democratic colleagues have taken s hostage, and what they want in exchange is Republican support for government-run health care, courtesy of Washington. The best line of the debate award goes to Representative Jeb Hensarling, Republican of Texas, quote, Make no mistake about it. This is a government-run, socialized health care wolf masquerading in the sheepskin of children's health care. But honest Republicans aren't buying this socialism scare tactic. Quote, Senator Charles E. Grassley, an Iowa Republican who helped write the bill, said he would reach out to House Republicans and urge them to override the veto. Mr. Grassley said, quote, This bill isn't socialized medicine. Screaming socialized medicine is like shouting fire in a crowded theater. It's intended to cause hysteria that diverts people from reading the bill, looking at the facts, quote. And this astute comment from Senator Bob Corker, Tennessee Republican, quote, What will move our country towards socialized medicine is not this bill, which focuses on poor children, but the lack of action to allow people in need to have access to private, affordable health care. Another point you can make is that we already have socialized medicine, the military and veterans' hospitals. The government owns those facilities and employs the doctors and nurses. Should we get rid of those? S-CHIP is actually a different type of health care system, not socialized medicine, but single-payer. Single-payer is where private doctors and hospitals are used, but the government pays. Medicare is a single-payer system. Under S-Chip, quote, the states and the federal government put up the money, the states take the lead in defining the program, and the actual care is typically delivered through private health plans by private doctors and hospitals, close quote. As with failing to protect your food and drugs and the consumer products you use, right-wingers oppose effective government efforts to make sure children have health care, but fail to offer any real alternative. Sure, they'll come up with some bogus proposals guaranteed to fail. My goodness, Bush presented a plan to take care of 47 million uninsured Americans, and it turned out, the White House had to admit, that it would have covered only one-tenth of them. Right-wingers are scared that the American public's catching on to their lack of concern for the well-being of others. Quote, The White House, on the defensive, is trying to bolster Republicans who fear they might be penalized by voters if they side with the President. Dana Perino, the White House press secretary, said, It is preposterous for people to suggest that the President of the United States doesn't care about children, that he wants children to suffer. I don't know what's in Bush's heart if he wants children to suffer but the reasonably-to-be-expected result of his policies is that they will suffer. The National Institutes of Health estimates that 18,000 Americans die every year because of lack of health insurance. These people don't receive necessities such as preventive services, timely diagnosis, or appropriate care. Beyond those who die, imagine how many tens or hundreds of thousands of additional people unnecessarily suffer from non-fatal but treatable disease. How many of these dead or ill are children who currently lack health insurance, but who would receive medical coverage under the Yes chip bill? Right-wingers apparently think it better that millions of children don't have health insurance than the country, in their panicked eyes, inches closer to government-run health care. Again, what's the right-winger's alternative solution? They don't have one. If you've studied history, you know that time and time again, invariably, if the government doesn't play a protective role, citizens, consumers will suffer. It's not good enough to recall products after injuries and deaths occur. It's not good enough to cover one of ten people who lack health insurance. As a society, Americans have said no to that. Two out of three Americans recently polled said that the government should guarantee health care to every citizen. Do you imagine that at least as many, if not more, would want the government to play a strong role in safeguarding the food supply, pharmaceuticals, and consumer goods? Right-wingers are on the defensive on this critical issue of the proper role of government. The public demands increased protection, and right-wingers would prescribe, if they had their way, no protection at all. The right-wing cause is doomed. May its demise come sooner rather than later. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again to kind of catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda. Chief Inspector Charles Dolphers now issued a comprehensive report that confirms the earlier conclusion of David Kay that Iraq did not have the weapons that our intelligence believed were there. Um, It turned out that we have not found any stockpiles. I think it's unlikely that we will find any stockpiles. I don't know anybody in any government or any intelligence agency who suggested that the Iraqis had had nuclear weapons. That's that's fact number one. What has not stood the test of time was the judgment we made that there were stockpiles of chemical and biological weapons. This clip touting a Fox News special speaks for itself. A Fox News Channel investigation. I think the Iranians have sleeper cells in the United States. The risk of nuclear weapons going off in U.S. cities is the greater risk. These are devastating weapons, and they're being used more. They choose the time and the place where they can use the nuclear weapon, And where it leads is direct confrontation with the United States. Find out as Fox exposes never-seen-before details of Iran's secret war. Iran, the ticking bomb, only on the Fox News Channel. Pushed up, you got to go. Hit the highway, don't you know? Got him a boss named Cheney. This one's a real big brainy. He's a freewheeling dick. Never was my first dick. After those two previous segments, how about a quick blast for you with some good news? The right-wing tried to game the 08 California presidential vote and has so far come up short. The source here is the New York Times. You know that in the United States, we don't elect the president by direct popular vote. Summing up the process very briefly, each state is apportioned the number of so-called electoral votes equal to the number of senators and representatives it has in Congress. Each state has two senators, and the number of representatives it has in the House is based on population. In all but a couple of small states, the winner of the popular vote receives all of that state's electoral votes. The candidate who receives the majority of electoral votes nationally winds up being president. California, being the most populous state, is the electoral vote gold mine. It has 55 electoral votes. California is considered solidly Democratic, certainly in '8. The Democrats absolutely need all these 55 votes to win the White House. So the GOP decided to put an initiative on the California ballot before 08 called the Presidential Election Reform Act. It would change the winner-take-all system. Instead, a single California electoral vote would be given to the winner of the popular vote in each California congressional district. Under this system, Republicans would wind up with probably 20 or more of the 55 votes, effectively sinking Democratic chances in 08. This district-by-district proportional allocation of electoral votes may well be a good idea, but not if done in just one huge state Democrats usually win. Implement it nationwide, including in big states the Republicans usually win, like Texas, and then we can talk. Until then, it's just a Republican dirty trick to game the vote in a Democratic stronghold. Well, The Democratic Party launched a major effort to derail this GOP ballot-snatching effort. Even Republican Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger said the initiative was like changing the rules in the middle of the game. But curiously, Democratic efforts to defeat this initiative have been beaten to the punch by internal Republican disarray. The creator of the initiative and his spokesman have both resigned, apparently because a donor group refused to provide the names of individual contributors. I'm not going to get into all these GOP intra-party recriminations. Suffice it to say, absent a night on a horse riding to the rescue, the measure won't get on the ballot in California, and that's definitely a good thing. You should be on the lookout for a never-ending stream of attempted GOP dirty tricks as 08 approaches. My girlfriend doesn't call people names. She doesn't think that liberals are insane. My girlfriend is not involved in by her looks. My girlfriend does not write hateful books. But she can cook. So I guess my girlfriend is no end culture. My girl has a soul Got no chips on her If you've wanted some action alert type information, here's one for you. First world banks and nations have historically lent huge sums of money to corrupt third world dictators. Even though the lenders absolutely knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that most of the funds wouldn't be used to benefit the people of those nations. Quite the opposite. The funds are used to finance repression of the majority and to fatten the dictator's bank accounts. But who has to repay those loans? Not the dictators, the citizens of those countries, the majority of whom are poor. They have to repay these loans, the principal plus interest, through their taxes. The result is that many dirt floor poor countries are forced to spend far more on repaying the loans than on health care and education and other needs of their people. Julius Naireri, former president of Tanzania, put it bluntly, quote, must we starve our children to pay our debts. A bill has been introduced in the House of Representatives called the 2007 Jubilee Act. It's HR two six three four. HR two six three four It will expand debt cancellation for third-world nations that need the funds to address extreme poverty. What can you do? First, call your congressman and ask him or her to support H.R. 2634. The House switchboard number is 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121. Second, go to JubileeUSA.org. J-U-B-I-L-E-E-U-S-A dot O-R-G. There's extensive information there on this bill and the overall issue of debt cancellation. There's a 40-day rolling fast going on you may want to participate in. Third, listen to Podcast 56 to better acquaint yourself with all the ways the first world economically exploits the third world. Now, do you know why H.R. 2634 and the organization both utilized the word jubilee in their names? In the Bible, the Old Testament to be exact, every 50 years, the jubilee year, all land was to be returned to its original owners. This was designed to be a radical wealth leveling mechanism in that largely agrarian society. The idea was to prevent any small group from accumulating too much wealth. Shh! Don't tell any right-wingers you know about this. It'll upset them greatly, and they may feel compelled to start calling the Bible commie propaganda. But do call Congress and go to JubileeUSA.org if you want to help severely suffering third-world men, women, and children get a better shot at life. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com. There's a one quick link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Why don't you come over to the podcast homepage, subscribe for free, in iTunes maybe, and you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. A bunch of announcements. If you're on the mailing list and didn't get an email reminding you to vote at the beginning of this month, please let me know. I've been having some trouble with the mailing list. If you subscribe through Yahoo, it says there they're shutting down their podcast service at the end of the month. So please change your subscription method. I'd recommend iTunes. A listener has a great website with all sorts of peace-related merchandise for sale. Go to peacebuttons.info. peacebuttons.info. You can also sign up there for their This Week in Peace and Justice History newsletter. As you've heard on the last live show here, if you want to help hurricane victims in Nicaragua, you can go to www.nicanet.org, N-I-C-A-N-E-T dot O-R-G. And I forgot to thank Kit from Rocky Point, North Carolina, and Scott from youraverageidiot.com for indispensable help last week with the podcast. So thanks! Music credits. The break music was L.A. Nightmare by 22 Caliber and Not The One Blues by Bernsheet Thornside. The bumper music you heard was Catapult The Propaganda by Nye's Music, Too Much Bush by Wang Dang Doodle, and My Girlfriend Is No Ann Coulter by Lucky Man Clark. We'll close with a little bit of Peter Finch as Howard Beale in the classic film Network, combined with No Justice, No Peace by Wacky Abelli. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Thanks to Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh and Ronald Reagan audio clips. Please keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also leave a message on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. You've got to get mad. You've got to say I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So.